Would you care to step outside? We get into this. Superman. Sorry, I'm being raised. You are here. The lasso of Hastings. Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Hello, welcome everyone to DC on RMD, the Superman and Lois edition. I am Michael Flores, your host, and in the studio today to talk about Superman and Lois with me is David and Steve. Hello. How's it going? Okay, so we have been away for quite some time, a lot longer than I originally had planned. However, life, scheduling conflicts, it gets in the way, and this was the soonest we can all convene, the three of us, to talk about the rest of the season of Superman and Lois. But that was the original plan um, of talking about the second half of the third season. Now that it's been so long, I figured, well, you know what? In the natural progress of our discussion here today, as I have planned, we will touch on those moments that are important to breaking down and understanding the second half of the third season. However, most of this discussion is going to be a general discussion on the shape and where the show started early on in the third season and where it ended and what it means for the future. So it's going to be more of a general and broad discussion. Oh, yeah. And especially since, like, I don't know about you guys, but it took me a while to actually think about this. I honestly think that this is probably the best rendition we've seen of Superman in a long time. Because when it looks at... When you look at the the reception it's gotten from the fan base... Everyone basically says this was good. It was a good superhero show. I would definitely agree with you. I got your back on that. I'll co-sign that. In fact, I text messaged that very statement to Steve after the finale had aired. I said, dude, I don't want to sound hyperbolic here, but I honestly believe after watching this season of Superman and Lois, this right here is the best version of of Superman we have ever seen. And not just necessarily when it comes to the portrayal of Superman. I'm using the word Superman as a catch-all for Superman and his world, the world of Superman. This right here, the stories they're telling, the secondary characters that are used to support Superman and Lois, this is the best we have ever been given, period. Yeah, it's not to say that we haven't gotten some good things here and there over the ages, even going back, even before Christopher Reeves, if we want to go all the way back. Yeah. Um, no, I agree with, with everything Mike just said. It's it's the best Superman we've ever gotten. And this season, as I watched it, because uh, my favorite Superman comic is Superman for all, uh, for all seasons or Superman for... Right. I think it, yeah, Superman, uh, uh, Superman for all seasons. Uh, Superman yeah. for all seasons. That's my favorite one. And and while it's different, obviously from a story perspective, the feeling that I have when I read that that series is the same feeling I got watching this season in particular. Oh yeah, because like you get Superman is great when I've always felt that even in comics, Superman is great when you quote unquote humanize him. When you basically make him deal with human 
ground him. Yeah. Ground him or basically make him deal with like human emotions and stuff that basically we all can relate to. That's what makes him really great. And that's why it, it goes so well with the idea of Superman being this idyllic person that we all are supposed to, you know, look up to and follow. My favorite thing by far in all Superman mythos is in every rendition of Superman, the talk that his dad gives him is like, you are, you, he tells Cal that basically you are going to lead humanity into the sun. When they fall, you're going to pick them up and you're going to carry them forward. I love that. I love that part that every single time we've seen Superman, they've always touched on that because it is part of his, it's part of his, you know, idiom. There are definitely messianic undertones that have always been there that has underpinned Superman stories. So because of that, that's got to be a component and all iterations of Superman. That is what the character is. Whether we want to run from Judeo-Christian ideas and metaphors is besides the point. You can still use those metaphors to create relevance for a character. And just to backtrack just a bit, David, because I want to make this our official starting point here. You said grounding, you know, that there's this relatable aspect to to Superman. It's got to be there. That's what makes Superman work. And Going with that line of thinking, the the idea of grounding, the grounding effect, and when you now try to parallel that with the triumphs of this show and this season specifically, delving into the triumphs of this season, it becomes evident that the series' remarkable prowess lies in its exploration of the intricate family dynamics that serve as its foundational core. Yeah, that's why the show works. That's its grounding effect. That's the reason why it's relatable to so many people. The Kent family stands as the nucleus, nucleus radiating its thematic influence across the entire narrative landscape. Yet, this is a key point here. It's imperative to acknowledge that this familial essence resonates beyond the Kents. So it's not just about the family dynamics of Kent's, of the Kent's, this idea resonates beyond them. It envelops every character within a comparable web of connections. Yes. Their aspirations and motives almost universally gravitate around the central concept of family. Mm -hmm. Bruno Mannheim, the villain of three quarters of the season, his motivations were not nefarious necessarily. They weren't malicious in in intent or origins. They were family motivated. Lex Luthor, he's consumed by his quest for retribution against Lois <laughs> against and Superman. Lois. And see, but he's also driven, driven by, by family. The, he's driven by the lack of a relationship he has with his daughter. And he blames that on him being unjustly put in prison because of Lois's report. It's all about family. Or even, even taking another, the one that really surprised me throughout this entire three seasons of the show. The one character you'd never think you'd get that element, but they gave it to us was Bizarro. Bizarro's story too tied with family. How he how he was the opposite of of Cal of Clark, and like how that affected his family and how distant they all became. And that's what affected Bizarro. And it's almost like you know being able now having three seasons under our belt, 
to be able to step back and see it holistically across all three seasons, the fact that they gave Superman not just Lois as a wife, but two children, mm-hmm. it almost begged and and demanded that every um other aspect of the show, whether it was uh, Lana's family or Bizarro's family or or Lex's or any of them, Bruno, yeah. they also had to all be about family. Mm-hmm. If if any of those pieces weren't about family, the entire structure falls apart. Yeah, that and that is the reason why the show has been completely successful. Set aside the fact that the creative powers behind the series, they get it. They understand Superman and they understand how to write a a television show, but they're also committing. They're staying consistent. You know, despite the little forays into the realm of the melodrama that the show exhibits, it's still consistent. Those aspects of melodrama are connected to the issues of the familial of the family. It remains aligned with this narrative trajectory, no matter what, even when there are certain curveballs, you can say narrative curveballs that are seemingly hawked at the, at the series. But you know what those little curveballs end up becoming? It ends up becoming something. Yes. It goes right back to the main theme, which is family every single time. And that is quite an achievement. And I will say why. Okay. There are so many powers nowadays that will do everything to change the direction of a show. In an era when shows, studios, and creatives acquiesce time and time again to fan demands, this series maintains its commitment to its artistic vision, unfazed by the rantings of certain fans, because there are. Yes. Oh, yeah, there, there are. are. There were. They ignore them. They ignore the network influences or any other external pressures to possibly bend or change the direction of their stories. And because of this commitment to hold steadfast to its original concept, it maintains its identity as a series. And that is something that we see a lot in shows today suffer from. It plagues a lot of shows that happens because showrunners, producers, studios, and networks refuse to stick to the game plan because they may be overly concerned with the potential discussions circulating their their television show, especially when it comes to networks like the CW, they are infamous for listening to fans so much to where they completely start writing shows for just the fans on social media. Yeah. Whenever you have to point to a successful show on the CW and you ask, well, how did this show survive? It's because it's commitment to its core concepts of the show. And it has a lot to go up against because just speaking socially political for a second here, we're in an era where we are against family. There seems to be a concerted effort to pull people away. There from, is. <laughs> yeah. From the traditional family. Not, and I'm talking about family values. I'm talking about the family nucleus. There's a lot of shows, a lot of movies, a lot of essays, academic essays being put out where they're pushing against these types of things. And the fact that these writers like, fuck you, 
this is the core value of Clark Kent yes. and Superman. And we're going to design a show based on that, despite the fact that it may be currently unpopular. You well, know, and my, my, uh, Mike, Correct me if I'm wrong, sir, but that attack on the nuclear family, isn't that a Marxist ideology? Yeah, but uh, I like Marxism. But if bit. you think about it, too, yeah, well. is like the, the... If you've seen Oppenheimer, Steve, yeah. my favorite saying from that is Oppenheimer had an intellectual interest in communism. That's exactly how I am. I have an intellectual I think interest in these things. I, I don't think, think they're good ideas, but I find them highly intriguing. I think there is a huge line to be drawn with what you just described, and I would agree wholeheartedly, versus what you described in terms of what's happening. Yes. Those yeah. are very different things. And, but the thing is, the thing about what was brilliant about what they've done thus far with this series is the fact that, just like what you said, Mike, they've been able to actually bring in this concept of family values that is very foreign to us right now in the in the culture that we're in. But and younger demos. But the the amazing thing is like they have developed and written these characters. We don't see them by their quote unquote gender or their individual looks, their outward looks. We base it on the characters that the the characters that are within, you know, like it's the spouse, it's the the spouse relationship. The spouse relationship this season has been you can put man woman 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 man man. You can put Lois and Clark the the way that they were portrayed, and you can put anybody in that position. Yeah. So you're saying that the social commentary is not even necessarily about. You know, there's no ideological aspects pertaining to gender, to gender or race. It's just about family it's in about, general. It's about the core value of family. Do you think there's social commentary there? Like, do you think you they, could, they are attempting to say something? I, I would hope so. I don't. Yeah. I would hope that there's something subtle that's going on there because it really shouldn't matter what the dynamic is between exactly. the the two. Uh, you know, parent, let's call Correct. it parental units, yeah. right? If it's, you know, two women together, one of them could still get breast cancer. If it's two men together, one of them cancer. could get prostate cancer. And it doesn't really matter. The it dynamic matter, of that right. situation is still the same. It's going to cause grief and suffering and pain. And that's the thing. And that's depression. Been, and that's the beautiful thing about like each and every season. When I take a look at how Clark's development has been, it's more or less like he is learning from his family. It, is, it doesn't matter if he has two sons, he could have two daughters. The problems that he has with his children in general can be relatable to anybody. You know, yeah. the dad, the, 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 the parental that basically just doesn't understand their children, but they get inspired by them. Like in the first season, he's inspired by Jordan in the second season. He's inspired by Jonathan. And then this particular season, which I think was a beautifully done season, he gets inspired by the one person that he loves most, which is Lois. And it's like she has none of the powers that she has he has. None of the powers. And she showed so much more strength so many times repeatedly yeah. when he was the one that was the, the, the weakest. weakest. Well, and that's that's what made the ending to me so special because this entire season 
we've had this moment where Lois has literally been facing her own doomsday. Let's face it. Like cancer is a big yep. monster, even in the real world. Yep. I've seen, I've seen families destroyed when, you know, they have to make the announcement that, Oh, so-and-so has terminal cancer. Mm-hmm. This is what we're going to do and everything else. And it destroys people. Lois for an entire season has faced her doomsday. And in the end, Clark has to face his quote unquote doomsday, but he's now carrying that inspiration that Lois gave him to the point that he can fight it. He can fight doomsday. He, that's why I thought my favorite moment is like in that fight was doomsday knocks him into space. And we're thinking, Oh God, he's going to kill Clark. This is it. But Clark gets the, gets those feelings of what's inspired him, his family, the love of his children, the love of his wife, watching Lois going through cancer and all the chemo and it snaps him awake. And then he just hurls doomsday in space. And that's why David, and we'll talk about what we really think is going to happen with that whole scenario in a moment. But that's why I don't believe doomsday will be the death of Superman. Like a lot of people are saying, because if you look at the narrative plans throughout the season, in a lot of ways, Superman facing, let's just say Lois and Superman, especially Lois, facing an enemy such as cancer, which forced both of them to look at themselves differently. And also it made Clark realize that he can't save everyone. Yes. In a lot of ways, it prepared him for doomsday. Yeah. The doomsday in the abstract, which is Lois's cancer has prepared him to face the actual doomsday. And because of what you saw throughout the season and effectively it was preparing him for this, I don't think it's going to be the outcome we all assume it's going to be because there is a lot of learning that Clark went through in this season that would prepare him for such a fight. Well, it, uh, yeah, I, I, guys, I agree ex- with every express your thoughts. Go ahead and do no, it. No, I, I agree with everything you guys just said. I think we you seen, want him to die, though. I do, and and I, I do. <laughs> I hate to say it. I'm with. I'm kind I know, of with Steve. I know. I and, know. And I I think there's there's obvious poetry in everything that we all were just talking about, right? For just beautiful metaphors and symbolism and poetry in the entire season, let alone the series. If you look at the whole arc and again, Mr. Moore and everything he did on BSG, you're seeing that same kind of methodology applied to the show where these seeds were planted in the earlier seasons. And it was a huge curveball, right? Like oh, me and you get every season kept saying, Oh, it's doomsday. This he, is the death of Superman story. But, but they gave us such a good swerve that when he showed up, it was like, Oh, it ended up being bizarro. And then everybody goes, okay, well it's bizarro. I guess I'll just accept that now. And and then to have it come back later in this third season and it, you know, and people like Mike was saying, oh, I saw this coming. Bullshit, because they did a good job. No, I didn't see it coming. Yeah, they did a good job. He's oh, talking oh, about like, the, uh, people out people there. People out there. Oh, okay. But like, then they bring it home, mm-hmm. right? They bring it home and it is doomsday. Um, even as triumphant as, the, as that last portion of the last episode was, like you were describing, David, um, 
there's still something to be said about being true to the source material. And you can be as inspired as possible by this human, because that's what she is, this human, and that still not be enough to take you over the top. And in essence, really kind of shows in a weird way, if if they follow through on it, the story that we all know from the source material, then it really makes Lois that much more of a stronger person because she overcame her doomsday, but Clark could not. Could not. But also, like, the poetry of everything what yeah, i'm thinking you know what? Of, now if you put it that way that's actually kind of cool too yeah because remember this is a, our our theory up to this point is like everything up to this point has been about family the past three seasons it's about clark being ex- inspired by his family to rise above any everything i think not just as a comic book fan having the death of superman happen is a must but like just poetically with how this series has gone force the fourth season should be the death of Superman. And now his family has to find that inspiration through of him. So that's what I was just going to say, David is, is like, if you want to carry that theme even further, it's he's, he dies within the first couple of episodes, hopefully yeah. the first one. Hopefully and the then you one. have to deal with the aftermath, the aftermath and the grieving and that loss because yeah, we grieved Ma Kent when she, when she died, but it not, not as, as, not that much, not as not that deeply. Much. Right. But like the thing, and the thing is, is like this whole series has been about Clark basically gaining that power from his family. Right. And the fourth season I kind of imagine that this is their time to shine. This is their time for Jordan to step up to the plate. Right. He's going to be a hero. I disagree with that. Jonathan. Jordan. David, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to say it now. They're going to do a switcheroo. They will have a death of a Superman. And it will be Jordan. I don't know if they would do that because like, dude, with the limited cast, I can see where Mike's going with this, and it's probably you're probably right, Mike. Just because the imp- the emotional impact they've given us so many swerves in this whole in this doomsday whole thing, yeah. thing. I th- I think you're probably right. If you look at the last three seasons, they understand family dynamics and the problems. You know the the pros and cons of family, the woes that come with family. You have the cancer scares, you have the coming of age, you have the dating problems. You have the kids that won't listen. Yes, you have all (laughs) these, you have all these problems and families. Well, you just dealt with one of the big ones, cancer. Yeah. The next one is the the death of a child. And especially because the theme throughout this entire season was Jordan not listening, wanting to go off on his own, wanting to be the hero, uh, revealing himself, and and then, you know, getting his toys taken away, basically, and then trying to earn them back, getting them back. I think what Mike's saying, though, is if the death of the child happens then it really pulls that family. It can pull it really tight. It, it can also start to shatter it because it, the death of a, of a loved one, a child can cause that fracture. And then to bring, you know, whether he di- dies forever, because you know how superheroes heroes do. Yeah. But yeah. if he but comes like, back, I don't think, see, thing- I don't think he'll die permanently. I think he'll be right. dead. He's he, let's look at this from a non comic book nerd desire for okay. a second and look at this from a practical standpoint. They will not remove the first person on the call sheet 
for a quarter of a season, a half a season. And if you don't do it for at least a half a season, that's not committing, which we know the show commits. And also you're doing another half-assed death of Superman story. So if they were to do this, they would have the biggest balls on the face of this planet. If they removed Superman completely from the show for an entire season. Yeah. That's how it would work, but they won't do that. I agree. There are contractual reasons why, and there's also fan reasons why. I can understand that. I don't get me wrong. I see your guys. Then you can logic. have the logo. You can have the logo come up and it just has Superman's name scratched yeah. out. It just says I, Lois. I, I, <laughs> I can see your guys' logic. idea ever. I can see your oh. guys' logic. Don't get me wrong. But, Ultimately, I think that basically it's better if Clark dies. It won't happen. Because the whole point of... We already know. Where's the suspense in this, David? Well, here's the Everyone thing. Everyone knows the death of Superman story. Literally, my mother yeah. knows the death of Superman storyline. But it's about... Mike wouldn't shut the fuck up about it when it came out. <laughs> it's about basically the emotion behind it now, though. Because, like, it's more believable if, as funny as it sounds, it's more believable if Clark dies. We all know he's going to come back. But the whole That's why emotion, it's stupid. but the whole emotion of it though is the loss of Clark. Well, now of you have to. Now you have to. Now you but have to actually see. Back, but we but know he's they don't. Back. They don't. Okay, they. You're right. They don't. But we as viewers do. But when you kill the child, not only do they not know he's not coming back, we as an audience won't know. We'll be like, <laughs> "Fuck, he actually died." David, in a perfect world, I am right there with you. It would be fucking fantastic to get a real true adaptation of the death of Superman. Yeah. We but, will never get it. But realistically, none of us want that, David. I don't even think you really want Superman to re be removed from a show and we deal with Lois normally, and Superboy. Normally, I would, I would agree with you, but because of how strong this cast and this writing team has been. Lois has They've carried. Me over. No, you're not wrong. Lois carries 85% of the show oh, on yeah. her shoulders yeah. easily Lois while she's bench pressing it. all of the other useless characters. Uh, yeah. and she, she's fantastic. I'm not saying she can't. I'm saying you can't break the dynamic of a Superman show. So far, they have skirted the line where Superman, especially this past season, where really Superman only got maybe a total of 20 minutes of screen time across the entire three, uh, the entire third season. Yeah, but think about it. You save even more money on visual effects if you take his <laughs> ass out. <laughs> That's, that is true. So I'm, I'm not shitting on your thoughts david because i agree with you but i'm just saying That's realistically what we want, david. We want yeah, that. yeah yeah i just don't think that we're gonna do it and also because it is a story that is so well known the, and the writers like steve said a few moments ago have always managed to take what we think we know and what we might want to see happen and Twist it just a little bit where you're like, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. And yet you captured the entire spirit accurately. Yeah. It goes right back to this whole doomsday scenario. It's right. It's part of the same conversation. Look how doomsday came into existence in yes. this show. Now, if memory serves me right, David, the there's obviously there's been, I think, a half a dozen origin stories for doomsday but oh, yeah. the 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 origin one. story the one that i've always loved the most is the one where kryptonian scientists inadvertently create doomsday through scientific 
a study where they continually yes, where torture, they can, torture and, kill, and him. kill him. And as he comes back to life, he becomes more angry, which is and what we twisted, got. which I want to say it was the fourth death. It was the fourth death of Bizarro Superman where I was like, okay, we're getting doomsday. I got no joke. I got Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> the final five reveal type of chills. Yeah. When I yeah, realized yeah. what yeah. they were doing and what made it even better was that this isn't just some monstrosity without feelings. This is Bizarro Superman, who's actually just as good natured and good hearted as our Superman. So imagine you have this good person who's being manipulated and forced into feeding off of this negative energy to where he becomes a distortion, mm -hmm. a, a fragment of, of his himself. former self, which is even better than the original Doomsday, because now you can pair them up. Superman can really look through that dim reflection. Oh, yeah, it is. I only had two issues with how they executed on it. Okay. One was some of the methods that Lex used to torture were really lame. Like some of the the weapons and the things like there was some ridiculous outlandish shit. <laughs> well, you also got you got to throw it out there for Lex that he's a man who will go that far. I get it, but it wasn't like that he did it. It was just some of the tools. Some that of the he tools used that he were used. absolutely asinine. Um, and then the second part was there was no need once he became Doomsday. There was no need to keep the S on his on his person. It could have been there for a hot minute and then just ripped away or he ripped it off. But to keep that as part made no sense other than you could argue, well, if we took it off, then, you know, a random viewer would would yeah, lose that, context or the that, other that characters. Is why. Yeah. The other that is why. Well, honestly. you know what? Fucking grow a brain. <laughs> You've been watching it up to this point. You watched. Are the you scene. new to American society? Exactly. Steve, remember we're, we're talking about audiences. People would be wondering where did doomsday come from? Did you not see the last couple of things? What happened to Bizarro? That happened to Bizarro. <laughs> so let's, <sighs> let's, let's kind of change direction or switch gears a bit. And let's talk about top moments of the season. And if you can specifically pick moments in the secondary part or the second half of the season, just because we went into detail when it comes to the first six episodes. So okay. David top moments and why give me your, give me your number one. Okay. Number one. Yeah. Um, people might be surprised because I, I love the, I'm a comic book geek. I will Probably really? people, people would have said that, <laughs> oh, he's going to choose the doomsday fight. No, my favorite moment out of the entire series was the chemotherapy scene between Lois Clark and, uh, Pia? yeah, Pia. Uh, is it Pia? Pia. Pia. But like, as in onomatopoeia. <laughs> yeah. And, and. Oh, Paya, you know what? I never picked up on that. God yeah. damn it. And Paya, what a moron. <laughs> and Paya explained explain to Clark what it feels like for going through chemo and being so tired. And that whole scene, I kid you not, I actually, I didn't realize it till the very end, but I found myself crying because of how real that emotion was. Yeah. And seeing not only Paya explain to Clark as a cancer person, this is what it feels like. 
But then, like, watching... They're not cancer persons. They're cancer people. Cancer people. <laughs> but, like, watching Superman's reaction and then him looking at Lois and Lois is going through it and you see the the things that Peo was saying. You're going to get tired. The, you're the gonna gears get, are turning. The gears are yeah, turning. Head, and yeah. then you can literally physically see the, the, the thoughts in his brain that I'm watching my wife die. This, in front of me. Th- this season really showed Tyler's ability Tyler, to act yeah. because I feel like um, the actress that plays Lois just outshines everyone because she's every, just so every good. Day, yeah. So we don't really get a chance to really, you know, focus on other people's talents. In that scene you're talking about, Dave, mm-hmm. that's what sold me. I, I've always thought Tyler was a, a damn good actor. Oh, yeah. But. He is really good because the fact that he doesn't say a word and you can doesn't see that, you know, that face that we all try to put on when you don't want to cry. Yes. Yeah. It's that fake mask. Everyone can tell the fact that you can act that. Yes. That's hard. And, and the fact of the matter is you would ne- I would never have believed actually seeing a believable scene of Superman, Superman. Yeah. A, a iconic hero like that crying. And it's like the most powerful scene I've ever seen. Yes, I'm a big fan of like the Christopher Reeve moments. I love the inspirational moments in, in all the past Superman films. But after that, I was like, oh my God, this is probably the most inspirational scene I've seen yeah. with Superman because it's kind of like, here's Superman who can do anything. And he he's coming to terms with the fact that he's sitting there with all the powers in the world and he can't do anything. And he feels so hopeless. Yeah. That's a great moment. Steve? Yeah, you're a dick, David, because that's that's exactly what I was going to say. And even I would even take it a, a little bit further as before that even happens when she um, skips out on going to her first chemo appointment. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Like, yeah. it's so uh, on the nose of what someone would, would do. do in the face and fear of what is happening to them and then trying to uh, justify it or justify and deny it at the justify their behavior and their decision while also denying the reality of what they face yeah is so it's just on point like that you see it all the time yeah. i mean the closest closest one that Again, going into the, those those emotions that are believable between Elizabeth and Tyler. I mean, even even during that scene when she makes the announcement that she has cancer and Clark hears it with his super hearing, mm-hmm. and that moment when he's just flying there and he just looks shell shocked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he, oh man, that that was arguably my second favorite moment because that was the time when Tyler really proved he was a good actor to me because you see Superman go through. Anger, fear, and then sorrow all in, in one in, moment. Yeah, in a moment. Because he just flies there. And normally you have that poetic thing where Superman is the one that hugs the person. Very much like the one of my favorite uh, moments in comics when uh, All-Star Superman, when he's talking to the person that's committing suicide, and he holds, holds that person from behind and telling them that someone's there for you. We're all here for you. Yeah, that th- moment was like Lois grabbing her husband and hugging him. Yeah. And telling him, I'm right here. Yeah. It's okay. I, I would I would say that's probably a close second now that I think about when he's when she gets up on that rooftop and, and says that. Yeah. All right. So my favorite moment was Otis. 
<laughs> I did like did like that. Otisburg. If we listen, we got to get an Otisburg before Otisburg. before Otisburg. the end of season four. I was a little bummed when I thought he died. I'm like, son of a bitch, we barely got Otis. I know we barely got him. So my favorite moment, because I'm a romantic, the post chemo sex when Lois decided to shrug her insecurities because she had that much trust in her love for Clark, knowing that he would not judge her. And then they recaptured, rekindled their love affair. He takes her up into the sky. Yeah. It it just, it it's (laughs) both of them together. It's so I could hear it in your powerful. Yeah. Both of them together are beautiful bookends. It's like you, you see this moment where the situation is just hurting both of them. And then by the end of it, we've overcome it. And it doesn't matter to me that, that you no longer have the same physique that you had before, because that's not why I love you in the you. first yeah. place. It's fantastic. It's so powerful. It's it very, very powerful and um, stupid. I, I, <laughs> love, I love the funny part is it gives <laughs> <And> boobies. <laughs> it gives me the vibes wow. of like the Christopher Reeves moment. You know those cheesy romantic moments between Clark and Lois. Yeah, but that there was nothing. There was even nothing remotely there, close it's to taking it. Taking those notes, taking those it's notes, taking those notes, and and updating it to feel a lot more mature. Yes, because there is a there may be some people out there that might eye roll at some of the the romance in Superman and Lois because it's just there may be a lot of jaded people who are like the relationships aren't like that they may not be like that all of them but they should be there is nothing I can look at with with Clark and Lois that would ever make me say that about this portrayal of their love I think it's mature it's a very mature and serious relationship it's what real love looks like. Well, you and know it, what? It, you know? It's what most people should aspire to be in their relationships. Two Correct. people who are on equal footing, who completely and utterly respect each other. Yep. And in that respect is a very deep love. And the fact that the writers and directors can capture that feeling yes. season after season. And then you have those specific moments that they really highlight that that intensity, that the intense factor within their relationship, whether it be a type of passion or just sheer goodness, yeah. it doesn't matter. The fact that they capture that and they convey a tone successfully is something that a lot of shows don't do. There are shows that try to sell romance all, all the time. And like 90210, it, it just doesn't work. <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> all right, David, what's your second? Well, I think I already spoke about the second one. My second one is the first time when Lois actually tells that when she makes the announcement that she does have cancer because it, it gave me so many vibes of like my favorite moments in Superman, but like flipped it on its head. And it goes into like what you have been saying throughout this entire show. The writers have a way of taking Superman moments and kind of twisting it. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that moment between someone having it doing a quote unquote suicide on a rooftop is very reminiscent of, of the most classic Superman moment with him with that person in uh, Superman, uh, All Star Superman, where he's telling that poor young lady, Someone's there for you. Your doctor just missed your call. It's all right. He's on his way. We're all here for you. And he's holding her, and you have the billowing of the cape around them. 
Here it's the opposite, which I really love the poetic nature of it is because Clark is basically shattered. He'd be, I totally he be. under, he, he'd, be he'd be shattered. He'd be shattered. But like if, <laughs> if I, if my wife told me I have cancer, I have terminal cancer, I have to go through chemo. I literally would be shattered like Clark because I'd be angry. I'd be like going, no, this isn't fair. Then all of a sudden, oh my God, what am I going to do to basically utter tears, basically saying, no, this isn't right. And seeing Superman, who's this iconic character of power and strength, just reduced to sheer weakness, but it's his wife who has the cancer that basically grabs him and basically holds him tight. And you have the billowing cape chef's kiss. It was, it's my It's my second favorite moment in the series. Okay. What about you? I, 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 my second favorite is the one that you described, um, Mike with, with him. Okay. So I'm not the only penis. No, 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 absolutely not, dude. That was, that, that That, that was a good scene. That scene brought tears to my eyes. Um, yeah, I didn't want to say that, but yeah, it did for me. Open, if, if you, open with your emotions, Mike. Open yeah, with if your you emotions. don't watch that scene, well, I mean, you can't watch it. I, I guess you could watch it solo um, as a standalone scene, but if, if if you've watched the entire series or season even, and both of those bookend moments, and you don't have tears in your eyes. You're not a human. Then you're, you're not, not human. a human or you've never experienced anything remotely close to that level of emotion and care for another human being. Um, yeah. It, both are very intense um, moments emotionally for, for the characters and for you as the observer. So yeah. it's very well written and it, it touches on, and you know, even as you were describing it, David, of like finding out, that your significant other um, has, you know, come down with that, right? Yeah. Um, just the thought, I, I liken it, because I haven't encountered that, but I, my immediate, as you were speaking about it, my immediately immediate thought was that feeling you get where your stomach just drops. Oh, yeah, and you get that um, knot in your throat. It's like the, the reverse butterflies where, like, you know, when love is fresh and new and you get that butterfly, that excitement, that nausea and anxiety and, and nervousness in your stomach. It's like the opposite of that oh, where yeah. you're like, I feel like I'm going to throw up. Yeah. Like when you find out that your your significant other has fucked another person, person. <laughs> it's that feeling because that it, feeling. because your brain has the same chemical response of loss. It doesn't know the difference of she fucked someone else or he and death or cancer or whatever. Your brain does not know the difference between those things. Yeah, your brain won't figure out the the, the difference between those things. And it's like, that's the thing is like so weird. This is the only thing that would have made those romantic scenes that much better is if they played this song (laughs) as they're flying through the sky. You just recovered from cancer. Is this how he flies with wings? (laughs) Why are you flapping your arms? Who who is this? And this is right when they get to in front of the moon. They're in front of the moon, now in the sky. <laughs> yeah. That yeah, would have bl- yeah. that would have blown their entire budget, but it would have been worth it. It would have been worth I it. I was gonna, you know, I, I thought you were pulling up the cure there for a second. Because... <laughs> hey, that would have worked too. Yeah. Um, okay, so my 
number two favorite moment. Oh, I'm sorry, Steve. Were you done? Oh, I'm done. Okay. I'm done. <laughs> My done. He has a cleanup. Number two is the Lex Luthor reveal or the Lex Luthor introduction. That's a highlight too. I have always loved Lex Luthor. There's, it doesn't matter what version, Gene Hackman, Kevin Spacey, uh, the Supergirl version isn't that great. Even though people were blowing his performance, I didn't, it just felt like he was trying to be a cross between Gene Hackman and Kevin Spacey. And he, you know, landed somewhere in the middle. Whereas, oh, the actor that plays him, I forgot his name. The the gentleman from The Walking Dead the Walking is Dead, where yeah. he's most famous from. That introduction is one of, it is, not one of, is the best Lex Luthor introduction we've ever been given. It's a Lex Luthor that Brian Singer was playing with in Superman Returns. The that was his way of making Lex Luthor more threatening. The fact that he had spent time in jail and the, the, the fact that he even had Kevin Spacey's Lex shank. Yes. Superman, which Superman. I always love that moment. Mm-hmm. Learned it in prison. But the showrunner here took it up a level and oh, really yeah. brought a gritty realism to what being in prison would actually do to someone. So he is a changed man. Prison changes you. So to see this different type of Lex, it worked because they justified it. They didn't yes. just say, hey, you know what? This Lex Luthor is going to be a hard ass. He's going to be a badass. He's going to be this guy that that uh, that that can you know, kick ass without powers. We've seen variations of this Luther in comic book form, but live action form, no. we have not never been given this type of Luther. I'm excited to see what they really do with him because the fact that he's the one that brings Doomsday into the mix already right there makes him a giant threat. Forget Lex Luther and who he is and it's what he was willing to do to, to make, make, <laughs> make doomsday. Yeah. Which we know Lex Luthor would go to great lengths to, to prove that his way is the better way or to enact some type of vengeance on someone, especially when it comes to the potential alien invasion that he believes Superman will uh, pave the way for in the earlier stories of mm-hmm. Superman and Lex. So I ultimately think it really worked and I was not looking forward to the Lex Luthor. If you remember, I was of the mindset and this David might actually prove your point in a second. I was of the mindset that we've already been there, done that. I I don't really want to see Lex Luthor. Let's introduce villains like Bruno Mannheim, Anamanapia, things characters situations settings let's introduce these ideas that are from superman cosmology and use things we haven't seen very often so that's why i wasn't entirely excited to see lex luther and yet once again the writers of the show were able to sell me on something that i didn't think i would like and that takes me back to your point a few moments ago david about wanting a true death of superman yeah these writers have the ability seemingly, and it's uncanny at this point to literally pull anything out of their ass and make it work and make it work. Yeah. I, I give them, I, I got to give them extreme credit for that because of taking that backstory of doomsday, the version that you described earlier, Mike, and, and then matching it with this version of Lex to be the, the, the catalyst to make 
our doomsday out of a bizarro. It's it's nothing short of magic what they were able to oh, yeah. weave. And that's that's the thing about that's the thing about the this Lex Luthor too is like they were able to take something that we were all I, I remember you were mentioning that you didn't like you weren't jiving with bringing in Lex this late into the season. But the one thing I kept uh, kept telling myself was like this writing staff has proven their worth. Oh yeah. Because they have a way of actually giving a new outlook and giving some teeth to these characters. Like the Lex Luthor one surprised me because I never thought I would see a less comedic Luthor and a more driven Lex Luthor. Well, hold on. I wanted to mention that when, when Mike was describing, you know, all or sharing that he likes all the versions of, you know, even, um, but what about, Oh, Smallville's Lex is amazing. I, that's what I was going to say. He's, uh, he's an amazing, oh, he's uh, amazing. Uh, Lex. I forgot about him, but like, but this... you also didn't mention Batman versus Superman, which that didn't resonate with a lot of people. That, I, did, I didn't mind it. That I version, didn't mind it either. There's quirkiness to how it was portrayed, but what, I get from it was what you were just saying, David, where he was very driven, He's very but quite driven. maniacal. He was a more maniacal version, whereas yeah. every other version we've seen was quite different. He was just teetering on the verge of frenzy. Yeah, well, do you Batman think, v Superman. But do you think then that next season they may bring an air of levity to the character just a bit? Like, at least give him moments of maybe a sense of humor? I don't think like you seeing him kill someone and laugh about it. No, or, or I don't think you. Sh they should do that. I think where this works now. I will say, and and Mike, I think we talked about this. Um, I what I didn't like about the introduction to Lex is that not too many years ago, just a handful of them, it was very much the same introduction that we got from Kingpin in Daredevils season one and season two on Netflix. They are very similar. That's what I struggled with watching this version of Lex, because even as he took over the prison, that's exactly what happened with Kingpin in Daredevil season two. Do you think it's just because it's, do you think you're seeing those similarities just because the closeness of the associations, because they're both superheroes what, and Netflix's Daredevil is only what four or five years. Yeah. Well, I since we last seen their last season. I think why I see it is if you step back um, at at its core, there's so much similarity between Kingpin and Lex as characters to begin with. Yeah. Other than Lex has generally been. You're portrayed. talking about in general. In general, yeah, just, yeah, just yeah. from the source material. Yeah, correct. Not yeah. even uh, you know Lex is always portrayed as having much more financial means compared to kingpin by comparison yeah but aesthetically how the characters have always looked even way 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 decades back mm -hmm. they've always had a similar look and feel so from that standpoint i mean the comic both the big two have always borrowed and stolen and remixed each other's oh, yeah. stuff throughout the decades right but that's where i struggled because you're only going to be able to get by with so much on CW and so much within a Superman story. Mm -hmm. Whereas on daredevil, they pushed it like almost to the level of R. Yeah. And so if I would have got the R rated version of, we got like a hard PG 13, I think version of Lex, 
Yeah, but isn't there something to be said about suggestive violence, though? Like, if they do the brutal stuff off screen, the impact, the feeling is still there, and, and you can so definitely skirt under the I the agree, but he, let me give you an example of the difference, Mike, of what you're describing. Yeah. In season three of Lois, yes, we saw the suggestive nature of that violence when Lex basically paid to have all those people beat the shit out of Otis and those and, and those guys in the prison, whereas in Daredevil, we actually... it was somewhat off screen and suggestive mm -hmm. but also not we saw kingpin smash a guy's head until it caved in like a watermelon in a car door yeah that tells me that motherfucker is not to be trifled with stay far away well the thing is also the one thing i would i would i i the reason why the lex luther thing worked for me was at one point I kept waiting for this time to when we can different, uh, we can actually say, yeah, that's Lex. And it was the scene where he's talking to Bizarro mm -hmm. and that whole dialogue when he's like talking to Bizarro, normally Kingpin would just basically torture the guy and brutally like beat him with a car door. Just like we said here, Lex is like talking to him and saying, would you be, would you allow me please to do this to you? And it's like, that's where that maniacal madness comes in, but it's not very, it's not very uh, friendly or well, it's not very light. It's more or less like Lex. This is a Lex that has no morals whatsoever. He lives by his own morals. But and there's still a touch, I think, to to him asking that permission. I think there's a touch of humanity that you see because, again, he lost however many years that he was in prison um, away from his daughter. Away from his daughter. I think there's still a sliver there of emotion and humanity where the inverse of that with Kingpin by comparison in Daredevil, it's just pure rage. Yes. That guy is just unhinged going all the way back to childhood trauma. So he is just a ticking time bomb. Yeah, and that's what I liked about this particular Lex because he is so... Like there's a, there's a bit of measurement measurement to yeah. it. So you, in a way, Lex has always been portrayed as a genius. He is the smartest guy in the room and he knows Ugh, it. What about Batman? Batman's smarter. Uh, no, in comics, they've actually proven Lex is actually smarter than Bruce. How dare you? <laughs> but I'm going to have to look up the we, trading cards. Lex, but, <laughs> David, put a pin in that thought. We yeah. have to wrap this show. We're going to have to finish for a Patreon or a, let me backtrack. Jesus Christ. <laughs> we are already passing the hour mark and we still have things that we need to discuss. Yes, we do. Uh, Steve, are you still able to spend a few more minutes? Yeah, I can spend a few more. Minutes. Okay. So let's give our final thoughts on the, on the season. Let's give our RMD scores and then we'll move into some more details on a Patreon exclusive discussion. Keep it really brief, David. Final thoughts in 30 seconds with a score. Final thoughts. This is my favorite season of the entire run of Superman and uh, Lois. And for the final season, I'm going to give it a 96 in total. I, we haven't even touched on like a lot of the other strengths, the other villains or the other characters or the other characters. <laughs> I thought like some of the introductions well, they've done. We're here. trying to get multiple episodes in. Yeah. One, we're trying to get one, multiple episodes. Yeah. And like, little Kyle got a woman pregnant. Oh, dude, yeah. we haven't even talked about your favorite character. Oh, how, <laughs> how I hate him. So. I hate him so. But overall, I would give this season a 96. 
Okay. Steve? I'm going to give it a 93. Um, and, I, and I think overall it's stellar. And, and as a standalone season, it it was so amazing to watch, like we were saying with the emotional stuff. But then you zoom out and you see it as a, as a three season, like a trilogy, if you will. Yeah. Even if things went sour um, from a funding and budget and the mess over at WB and CW, if this was, would have been the last season and we never got a season four, I would have still been okay. Yeah. And I don't know how many shows I could say that about, even though it would have been left as a cliffhanger of them flying into space to fight each other. There's still hope in that because of how they cut it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what was your score? I missed it. 93. 93. Because, you know, 1993, it does a Superman. <laughs> <laughs> My score is 97%. I'm the nerd here, I guess. Or I guess it was 92. Uh, I'm near I'm near you. I'm a 96, remember. I agree with you, David, that this is the best season. The second season was good. First season was my favorite. Now my top three seasons as they go in order would be season three, season one, season two. Which does not happen whether you're talking movies or TV series. Rarely, if ever. Yeah. 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 I, I love what they're doing with this show. I don't think... I mean, it could get better. Everything could get better. There are a few negatives negatives this season, despite this being my favorite season. There was a few character arcs that just abruptly ended. And the one I'm speaking of specifically or thinking of specifically at the moment is the Anamanapia storyline. We never really got any type of real backstory. And I suppose someone could say, well, what was important was her story as a person. Yeah, her you know, being a cancer, not survivalist, or a not not a cancer survivor, falling victim to cancer, whereas Lois, the contrast, was able to rise above. It shows her strength. However, you have a character like Anamanapia, who started off the season as being a viable threat, and we never really got any backstory whatsoever. How did she become this person? How did she get the power? Why does she put a mask on when she didn't before when she was killing people in the flashbacks? What was that moment where she decided to put on a mask? I guess is what I would like to have known since she did play a vital role. And that to me is the biggest red flag of the season, I guess, or negative because they just, they dropped her in and then took her out just as quick. Mm -hmm. Okay. We will continue our discussion on Patreon. If you are not a Patreon subscriber, you can subscribe to our Patreon page for just $5 a month, and you'll gain access to all of our additional podcast discussions and behind-the-scenes banter and pretty much everything else we offer in the lower tier. So go to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God! Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour. 